Chapter Six of Winning His Spurs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Winning His Spurs by G. A. Henty. Chapter Six: The Lists. The third day after the arrival of the Earl of Evesham, there was a great banquet given by the King of France to King Richard and his principal nobles. Among those present was the Earl of Evesham, and Cuthbert, as his page, followed him to the great tent where the banquet was prepared. Here, at the top of the tent, on a raised dais, sat the King of France, surrounded by his courtiers. The Earl of Evesham, having been conducted by the herald to the dais, paid his compliments to the king, and was saluted by him with many flattering words. The sound of a trumpet was heard, and Richard of England, accompanied by his principal nobles, entered. It was the first time that Cuthbert had seen the king. Richard was a man of splendid stature and of enormous strength. His appearance was in some respects rather Saxon than Norman, for his hair was light and his complexion clear and bright. He wore the moustache and pointed beard at that time in fashion, and although his expression was generally that of frankness and good humor, there might be observed in his quick motions and piercing glances signs of the hasty temper and unbridled passion which went far to wreck the success of the enterprise upon which he was embarked. Richard possessed most of the qualities which make a man a great king and render him the idol of his subjects, especially in a time of semi-civilization, when personal prowess is placed at the summit of all human virtues. In all his dominions there was not one man who in personal conflict was a match for his king. Except during his fits of passion, King Richard was generous, forgiving, and royal in his moods. He was incapable of bearing malice. Although haughty of his dignity, he was entirely free from any personal pride, and while he would maintain to the death every right and privilege against another monarch, he could laugh and joke with the humblest of all subjects on terms of hearty good fellowship. He was impatient of contradiction, eager to carry out whatever he had determined upon, and nothing enraged him so much as hesitation or procrastination. The delays which were experienced in the course of the crusade angered him more than all the opposition offered by the Saracens, or than the hardships through which the Christian host had to pass. At a flourish of trumpets, all took their seats at dinner, their places being marked for them by a herald, whose duty it was to regulate nicely the various ranks and dignities. The Earl of Evesham was placed next to the noble of Brabant. Cuthbert took his place behind his lord, and served him with wines and meats, the Brabant being attended by a tall youth, who was indeed on the verge of manhood. As the dinner went on, the buzz of conversation became fast and furious. In those days men drank deep, and quarrels often arose over the cups. From the time that dinner began, Cuthbert noticed that the manner of Sir de Jacqueline Barras, Count of Brabant, was rude and offensive. It might be that he was accustomed to live alone with his retainers, and that his manners were rude and coarse to all. It might be that he had a special hostility to the English. At any rate, his remarks were calculated to fire the anger of the earl. He began the conversation by wondering how a Norman baron could live in a country like England, inhabited by a race of but little above pigs. The earl at once fired up at this for the Normans were now beginning to feel themselves English, and to resent attacks upon a people from whom their grandfathers had entertained contempt. 
He angrily repelled the attacks upon them by the Brabant knight, and asserted at once that the Saxons were every bit as civilized, and in some respects superior to the Normans or French. The ill-filling thus began, at stating clearly, waxed stronger as dinner went on. The Brabant knight drank deeply, and although his talk was not clearly directed against the English, yet he continued to throw out innuendos and side-attacks, and to talk with a vague boastfulness, which greatly irritated Sir Walter. Presently, as Cuthbert was about to serve his master with a cup of wine, the tall page pushed suddenly against him, spilling a portion of the wine over his dress. "'What a clumsy child!' he said scoffingly. "'You are a rough and ill-mannered loon,' Cuthbert said angrily. "'Were you in any other presence? I would chastise you as you deserve.' The tall page burst into a mocking laugh. "'Chastise me,' he said. "'Why, I could put you in my pocket for a little hop of my thumb as you are.' "'I think,' said Sir Jacqueline, for the boys' voices both rose loud to the earl, "'you had better send that brat home and order him to be whipped.' "'Sir Count,' said the earl, "'your manners are insolent, and were we not engaged upon a crusade, "'it would please me much to give you a lesson on that score.' "'Higher and higher the dispute rose, until some angry word caught the ear of the king.' Amid the general buzz of voices, King Philip rose, and speaking a word to King Richard, moved from the table, thus giving the sign for the breaking up of the feast. Immediately afterwards, a page touched the earl and Sir Jacqueline upon the shoulder, and told them that the kings desired to speak with them in the tent of the King of France. The two nobles strode through the crowd, regarding each other with eyes much like those of two dogs, eager to fly at each other's throat. "'My lords, my lords,' said King Philip when they entered, "'this is against all law and reason. "'For shame to be brawling at my table. "'I would not say aught openly, "'but methinks it is early indeed for the knights and nobles "'engaged in a common work to fall to words.' "'Your Majesty,' said the Earl of Evesham, "'I regret deeply what has happened, "'but it seemed from the time we sat down to the meal "'that this lord sought to pass a quarrel upon me, "'and I now beseech your Majesty "'that you will permit us to settle our differences in the lists.' "'King Richard gave a sound of assent, "'but the King of France shook his head gravely. "'Do you forget,' he said, "'the mission upon which you are assembled here?' Has not every knight and noble in these armies taken a solemn oath to put aside private quarrels and feuds until the holy sepulchre is taken? Shall we at this very going off show that the oath is a mere form of words? Shall we show before the face of Christendom that the knights of the cross are unable to avoid flying at each other's throats, even while on their way to wrest the holy sepulchre from the infidel? No, sirs, you must lay aside your feuds, and must promise me and my good brother here that you will keep the peace between you until this war is over. Whose fault it was that the quarrel began, I know not. It may be that my lord of Brabant was discourteous. It may be that the earl here was too hot, but whichever it be, it matters not. The quarrel, sire, said Sir Jacqueline, arose from a dispute between our pages, who were nigh coming to blows in your majesty's presence. I desired the earl to chide the insolence of his varlet, and instead of so doing, he met my remarks with scorn. Pooh, pooh, said King Richard, there are plenty of grounds for quarrel without two nobles interfering in the squabbles of boys. Let them fight, it will harm no one. By the by, your majesty, 
he said, turning to the king of France with a laugh. If the masters may not fight, there is no reason in the world why the varlets should not. We are sorely dull of want for amusement. Let us have a list to-morrow, and let the pages fight it out for the honor of their masters and their nations. It were scarce worth while to have the list set for two boys to fight, said the king of France. Oh, we need not have regular lists, said King Richard. Leave the matter in my hands. I warrant you that if the cockerels are well plucked, they will make us sport. What say you, gentlemen? The Brabant noble at once assented, answering that he was sure that his page would be glad to enter the lists. And the earl gave a similar assent, for he had not noticed how great was the discrepancy between the size of the future combatants. That is agreed, then, said King Richard joyously. I will have a piece of ground marked out on the edge of the camp to-morrow morning. It shall be kept by my men-at-arms, and there shall be a raised place for King Philip and myself, who will be the judges of the conflict. Will they fight on foot or on horse? On foot, on foot, said the King of France. It would be a pity that knightly exercises should be brought back to scorn any failure on their part on horseback. On foot, at least, it will be a fair struggle." what arms shall they use the brabant knight asked oh swords and battle-axes of course said king richard with a laugh before you go king philip said you must shake hands and swear to let the quarrel between you drop at least until after our return if you still wish to shed each other's blood i shall offer no hindrance thereto the earl and count jacqueline touched each other's hands in obedience to the order went out of the tent together